By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. So this episode is about Uncut Gems, which just came out last year. It's a crime thriller directed by Josh and Benny Safdie, um, and it stars uh, Adam Sandler. Uh, it, uh, none of us liked this movie, so just like off the bat, just a warning that none of us liked this movie. So if you love this movie, um, maybe this isn't the episode for you. Um, it's myself, Kelly Bedard, Steve Vargo, and Matt Yipchuk on the call, and it's just really none of our jam it's just you know we don't like this kind of movie we didn't really get it uh not for us um that lakeith stanfield though he can do no wrong and even if we don't like a movie he does which is very rare i've liked almost every single thing he's ever done in his entire career um but i still love him even if i didn't like this movie and that's what's really important here Enjoy our conversation, or don't. I don't know. Uncut Gems is so weird. Thinking I'd remember most of it, and then I watched the rest from where I left off while baking cookies for my droid. So I, I kind of, I only half know what went on. I know Adam Sandler had a really cool accent, and he cried a lot. Then Wikipedia tells me he died, because I, like, made it to the last 10 minutes, and then it was seven. Mm. So I had to Wikipedia the ending. I could see where it was going, though. Um, yeah, I um, watched this whole movie. I watched it today. I paid attention to it because I was... Um, why Why was it? Oh, because um, I don't have access to Netflix on my television because my dog ate the remote control. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so the... real? What? Sorry. Is that real? Yeah. Well, she didn't like, like to ingest it. She just ate the top, like she chewed on the top where um, it controls like, power and input. Right. It just sounded like my dog ate my homework. <laughs> no, she she genuinely did eat my remote control. This is her This is her second remote. Well, she hid my cable remote for a while and then I found that, but then she ate this one. Um, so I didn't have access to Netflix on my TV, so I had to screen mirror. I could watch it on my computer, but then I decided to screen mirror so I couldn't um, do anything on my laptop while I was watching. So I actually paid attention for most of it, but I still couldn't 
really tell you what this movie is about. Like I can tell you what happens in the plot mostly, although I couldn't really tell everybody apart. Like all the characters kind of were interchangeable. Um, but uh, what it's about or why it was a thing, I don't really know. It's about Adam Sandler trying to get an Oscar. Maybe, is that a life There's, goal of his? So I, I think, have we started? <laughs> yes, go ahead. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a there's a trend in film. I don't know if it's a more like new thing, but there's just this trend in film about asshole characters, uh, about just unlikable characters, uh, criminal in some cases. Um, and I don't get it. Um, I don't understand it. I don't know why it's entertaining, engaging, thought-provoking, anything. Like, I don't know why they exist. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, they've existed forever, right? Like Citizen Kane. Yeah, I mean, it's... But that like, was interesting. That was a third, right? <laughs> that was a mystery. Oh, true. And, and he had a journey, I guess, where this guy was just... Ooh. There was no redeeming quality about him at all. There was nothing likable about him at all. Um, I don't know what, like, I, I had no connection to him. I didn't care when he died. I was like, this is a character I don't care that he dies. I don't think it's tragic. I think this is just, like, there was no, I didn't see him before he was this way. I didn't, like, he, the only people I felt for were every, everyone in his family around him. Um, like Adina like Menzel and his, and his. Oh, I loved Adina just because uh, it was Adina. Those are the people I felt with the most. Like they were the tragic characters. They were the. Um, but then it's like it's all. It was all just about him. Like I just don't understand the point of these films. Um, if this was like a documentary about someone that's real, it might be more interesting to me. But yeah, yeah I, that's, I that's wonder... my feelings about it. I wonder with that, I feel like it's, it is an archetype. And I think that um, there was like a really big boom um, about a decade ago in television where it was all like every prestige show was a white guy in his middle age who was just like kind of a bad guy and didn't really have good reasons. And the audience was supposed to just buy into that, like all through the 2000s, starting with Tony Soprano and then like straight through with Mad Men and House of Cards and Breaking Bad, like all of it was this same like bad guy. But I think what um, sort of some of the, the movies that have come since then that have used that trend, some of the things that they misunderstood were in television, you're spending so much time with people that the archetype of like uh, an anti-hero or someone who you don't necessarily want to root for right away by sheer exposure. It's almost like an experiment to see how long the audience, like how much exposure takes the audience to be able to see that person's point of view. And then also how much they can expose the audience to before the audience will turn on said character. And which is one of the interesting things in The Sopranos, David Chase has always said like, I expected the audience to hate him when they didn't. I kept just trying to push it and push it and push it and see mm. if they would ever abandon him. And they didn't. 
Um, and that's why he did the ending that he did was because he was like, okay, well, no, no spoilers. I won't tell you what happens okay. at the end. Oh, I've only mistake. seen the finale. <laughs> also, also, really? the weird. ending of The Sopranos is not a plot point issue. Like, hmm. I would never okay. like tell you, well, so and so shoot so and so. That's made up. No one shoots anybody, or do they? I don't know. Um, but the way the way it's structured or like the way there's like an, a, a famous um, film thing he does uh, at the end of The Sopranos and it was a specific reaction to the audience's reaction to Tony over the course of like seven years um, because the audience never turned away from him ever and would put up with him and I think it was because we were spending so much time with him that we felt like we knew him and then also you need a certain type of actor to pull off this kind of role. Like you need someone who's so charming that even if they do just like terrible nonsense, you stay with them and you're not quite sure why. And that was the Sopranos magic was that James Gandolfini just like had you, even if there was nothing, there was no reason why he had you. He just kind of did. Um, And I do not think like, I understand that's why they wanted a huge movie star for it, but Adam Sandler does not have that quality and then it was i found it really upsetting sometimes he would slip into his like what's he call that voice that he does is like adam sandler like baby voice oh i hate the adam sandler baby voice. <laughs> you know like the high that high thing he does yeah it's like mm-hmm. and it's a childish he, thing like yeah the childish thing yeah. for like i associate with like snl sketches um and he slipped into it at one point specifically in the middle of dirty talk. And I just, my brain couldn't handle it. And I was just miserable. <laughs> well, I, I actually think, well, I, I have mixed feelings about his acting in this. I think he portrayed a really real, I don't know, real character that exists. Like I've seen these people or it's like an amalgamation of all the worst people, <laughs> uh, if you will. <laughs> Um, and I think he did that very well because I hated him in every way. Um, uh, like, and he like pulled off this like self-centered tunnel vision type of thing. He was a child adult. He was insensitive, annoying, je- jealous, obnoxious, like, um, yeah, and he's terrible. He's also against, yeah. Um, and I think he really pulled that off as an actor. Um, so I think. I think we should give him some props um, for what he did. Like, and this is very different for him too. Like I've never seen him in a role like this that I remember. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm still thinking why. (laughs) I don't think obnoxious is outside of his wheelhouse. Right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When it's not funny. Um, Yeah. I thought the acting and the performance was, solid and top-notch all around just where it lost me was the fact that I could only appreciate watching him act really well for so long before the story did not like before I realized the story meant absolutely nothing to me and that the side characters weren't super interesting enough to compel me because they weren't they didn't have enough screen time really like basically I just want more Adina Menzel Yes, but did you want more Idina Menzel because there was anything interesting about her character or just because you like Idina Menzel? A little bit of both. I think she was kind of like a voice of reason to, well, within context, to balance Adam Sandler, which was kind of nice. Like, I like the balance. Yeah, that's what I'll say. I like the balance that she provided to him. 
and kind of seeing that side of his life. But even that wasn't super great. Like it was just something that interested me more than what was happening in the rest of the movie. That at least to me showed me that the the story and the direction at least knew what they were filming. Like, like they knew that this guy was bad because all of the characters around him reacted the same way that I was reacting towards him. Even the like the basketball player and on all of his people and. Uh, like they they were all just sort of annoyed and about him like I felt the whole time and they didn't really care for his character they were all just there for their own little reasons um and also for you know debt collect and and like but like there's some there's something about like the writer and the directors they they knew what they were showing they knew that this guy was not likable and I just don't understand why they think this is interesting or like why does it exist why does this movie exist I prefer it that way to yeah. what happens all the time where like yeah. they re- think they wrote a wonderful character but it's actually a terrible person yeah. um oh, it yeah, is, I, I wish someone who loved this movie was here because I do feel like <laughs> I just kind of don't get it um and I don't no, I mean, I, it's just a world I'm fundamentally not interested in, even mm-hmm. if he was sort of worth rooting for. It's just I don't care about New York anything, <laughs> and especially like mm-hmm. gangster nonsense and basketball, did, and who cares? Just who cares? Did Tony Soprano have any redeeming quality? Like, was he, was it about his control? Was it about his family, his loyalty? Was like Tony Soprano yeah. was a beautiful magic trick of a character because he. Uh, first of all, it was just, he was so charming. Like he could talk you into anything. Yeah. It's like, he was just, the actor was so vibrant. Um, but he just did a bunch of, he did all terrible things. He was not, he was cheating on his wife. He was a bad dad. Like he had all these things, but like when he would, he would give you these like little moments to grab onto, to justify in your head, all the other stuff. So like there was there's this episode where there's a in season one don't worry Matt but there's a, there's a duck on the it might even be the pilot there's a duck in the pool and he gets really protective and obsessive about this duck Aww. right okay it's like save the cat right yeah, you give yeah, yeah. your your um, protagonist you have them save the cat and or you give if you have an right. isolated protagonist you give them a dog to care about and then the audience will be like Pass see the they're dog. a good person <laughs> so yeah um, the uh, so he would have these little moments and then it would just, you you felt a certain way about him and then you would analyze his behavior and you're like, I have no right to like, like this person. I should really evaluate my decision-making. But then they would give you these little moments to latch onto. Mm. And then they sent him to therapy. This was the mm. big thing. The whole arc of The Sopranos mm. starts with him going to therapy for the first time. And the whole show is him, like half of it is him with his therapist. And so he's analyzing his own behavior and there's a lot of like blame it on the mom and that kind of thing that like helps him get away with stuff. So we like really know him really well, or at least we feel like we do. (laughs) And so then we get tricked and dragged along and it's just, it's a miracle of storytelling, but um, that's not this. (laughs) We don't see him before he is this way ever. Yeah, I don't understand this movie. Um, No, I feel like there's a bunch of movies like this i couldn't tell you what they are but it felt very familiar like not a documentary or and not trying to be one but still with that sort of fly on the wall slice of life uh perspective towards something that like 
you as the audience don't get the benefit of getting almost a conventional three-act structure with like some inciting incident and some kind of beautiful transformative arc with your main character. It's literally just like we're watching the last chunk of his life for better or for worse or for nothing if we don't care about him, which I did not. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Does anybody, I don't know that this is the right audience for this, but <laughs> that was actually Kevin Garnett, right? Do we know? Or if Who's Kevin Garnett? He's a, sports, he's a, a, he's a basketball oh, guy. Yes, yes, he's it a is. real guy. Yeah, I'm not a sports Yeah, person, it was. So. I, it was him? Yeah. Okay. Because okay. I was talking about the movie the first time I watched it with someone who mentioned, I guess, Kevin Garnett. And he said, oh yeah, the actual, whatever his name is, is in that movie. And... I had no clue it was an actual person from and sports. It was, and like the weekend was there. That was the actual weekend. Like I know that. Yeah, it was definitely the right <laughs> weekend. And apparently some of the pawn, the pawn actors, like the people that played the pawn shop owners, apparently mm-hmm. they were real. Some of them. Uh, one or two of them were actual New York pawn. Pawn shop. Why though? Pawn Just shop. hire actors. I don't know. For realism. There might have been like one or two, like it wasn't all of them, um, even though there wasn't a lot in the film. So, I disagree that that's what realism is. Um, <laughs> I think that hiring actors, because actual people don't know how to behave on camera, so then they actually end up behaving awkwardly on camera it instead of realistically. It's like famously Rob Reiner wanted to have the old people do the actual confessionals in When Harry Met Sally, and then he ended up having to record them with actors because... <laughs> the old people weren't convincing and like things like the interactions between the couples weren't like they weren't natural with each other because they were awkward on camera whereas the actors mm. could examine the real couple's behavior off camera and then mimic it like an actor might <laughs> um i see that working both ways I, I i didn't know that about harry met sally you've seen that though right yeah yeah i've seen okay. that movie i just i i don't remember that I guess I didn't pay attention if they were actors or real people or like if I cared, like if, oh, if, it's just, like, that's I one of those, if they were or not. That's one of those like audio commentary tidbits. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's not a big yeah, thing about the film. It's just about these couples talking to each other. Like it's really what mm-hmm. those scenes are about. Um, but back to somehow I made uncut gems about when Harry met Sally. So that's my <laughs> Um, I don't know. Does anybody, is there anything anyone liked about this movie? I know um, people loved it. I just don't quite know why. It's very well done. It's just why again. Yeah. Uh, is it though? If, if we came away from it, three people <laughs> who like really do like movies, um, came away from it hating it and not caring about it. <laughs> not even, I don't even hate it. I like don't care that this movie existed. Like, yeah. I had heard, I had put off seeing it because I seeing it because I'd heard it was really brutal and like a really hard watch. And their previous films are really hard watches. And like I wasn't even disturbed by this film. Like this film just happens. Yeah. To my it was what happened in this my in my afternoon and I'll forget about it very quickly. And <laughs> yeah, I, don't I think it was know, made decently. Was it but... though? Like does that is that good filmmaking if it's possible for us to come away <laughs> hearing so little about any of uh... these people? Oh, I just mean on like from a technical standpoint. Like my my bar for really badly technically made films is Mamma Mia, because that's the first time I've watched a movie, and like I 
prided myself and still do as being someone who can focus and appreciate the story regardless of how good or bad the cinematography and kind of the sound design are. But Mamma Mia was just so horribly done that it made me angry. It ignited something in my soul (laughs) that now when I watch movies, it's like the Mamma Mia factor. Like, can I at least watch this and not be aware of how well or not well it's made from a purely technical standpoint. And just by that very low bar, this movie passed. Cause like I didn't, I like the cinematography didn't bother me cause I felt like visually it flowed decently and the sound was fine that it didn't draw my attention to like being a badly sound designed or mixed movie. So really the only issues I had were the plots and the characters which are the most important things. Yeah. yeah I like have if, so many if, questions if about he was, what you just said. If he was not <laughs> Tony Soprano, sorry, if he was Tony Soprano, that sort of character that was interesting, charismatic, and um, I think the movie would be even more successful mm. than what it is. I don't and, think and it would I, be. But like, uh, sorry, in terms of, if we're, looking, if we're talking about the direction, um, in the filmmaking, that if this was a more interesting character, that I think you would see the direction more uh, positively. I don't, I, I, and when I say direction, I just think that we do get caught up in like, like it's shot fine, but that's right. not like, like all of the technical stuff is made to serve the storytelling yeah. and the, they're, they're not separate things so you can't make a good movie that doesn't tell the story well that's just not possible but and they did a good job making him an asshole mm. making yeah him what i he actually was. i actually yeah. think if he was if he was more likable and this was a more palatable movie the type of person who loves it wouldn't like it as much um i think the yeah. alienation factor and the ugliness mm. of the movie and the unpleasantness of it is part of it and i would almost almost argue that it's just it's not even how that I didn't like anybody. It's that I didn't, I wasn't impacted at all. Like if I was impacted yeah. more negatively, I wouldn't enjoy it, but I would maybe argue it was a better movie. Yeah. It's the forgettableness and the, like how completely I didn't care in any direction that I think is, is alarming. Whereas like spring breakers, I hated like visceral, <laughs> made my skin crawl. And while that, I, that made me mad. It it was effective in a way. Like I rem- yeah. I won't forget that movie, maybe ever. Yeah. Whereas this is already gone from my brain. I already don't. This know is why I had to watch it again. <laughs> but, but I'm like, why? Why did I was. hate this movie? Why did I hate this movie? So I was watching it. And I'm like, there's nothing good about it. <laughs> but that's not. Yeah, exactly. But that's like the people yeah. loved this movie. I don't, I don't, I wish they were here. Yes. So they could explain. I don't I, know. I thought about this question too. Like what, who are these people that like this movie? Who are this kind of people that like this movie? Are they people that are just like this character, Howard? Well, like, I feel like, I think I remember seeing when like Aaron Jan Kane. loved this movie. We should call him. <laughs> I don't I don't know. know who that is. Who's Aaron Jan? He's a playwright. Oh. But like, I don't, I, you know, I just don't, I don't feel like I ever actually saw anybody explain why they yeah. like this movie is maybe why they're like, maybe it's one of those tone movies or like people who like <laughs> yeah. really love New York, man. 
Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's I the kind of movie that if they're, oh, I love New York, even hate, though I don't love New York enough to like this movie. Uh, I like because, Broadway and brisket sandwiches yeah. and my friends who live in New York. <laughs> like there's different But that's not the same thing New as liking New York. Well, like yeah. I like the You've Got Mail New York. Well, that's like, not New York. That's more Efron's <laughs> head. What? No, that's New York. No. Yeah, Efron's head. There are so many like really adorable, quaint little spots in like New York Starbucks? that you've got. No, like um, Waldi's Pizza is my personal favorite. I love Waldi's and Starbucks, but yeah, I just, I, I just, I really love New York. Uh, but hard. like again, in the you've got mail sense, maybe in my brain, see, I just in, yeah. look for you've got mail things. But, when I'm in but New in York. reality, when you actually go to New York, New York is yeah. uncut gems. Like that is like what the experience <laughs> Dep- of New York Dep- is. It's it like people on the stealing though. your cabs yeah. and <laughs> grappling over fake Rolexes and mm-hmm. talking about sports. Like that's yeah. yeah. Like I feel like real New York is halfway between you've got mail and uncut gems and i choose to like cater my experience to be more in the you've got mail neighborhoods and then i like stay away from the uncut gems neighborhoods <laughs> i feel like mm-hmm. it's it's un, it is uncut gems but everybody in uncut gems has a romantic uh thought about new york about what mm-hmm. new york is True, true. Have you seen um, my favorite movie of 2018, Isn't It Romantic? No. Yes. Um, that was your favorite movie of 2018? <laughs> it was. It's a whole thing. I saw it like three times. <laughs> Let it go. Um, like, no, like it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It's was it not what I would... No, it was 2019, I guess. Um, I I'm going to quickly look it up for myself. I loved oh. it deeply, but they do a whole thing about like she lives in actual New York and then when her life turns into a rom-com, um, it becomes like movie New York and all of a sudden oh, there's things me. like children's bookstores but in her world it's like <laughs> cupcake cu- cupcake shops and stuff um, and nothing mm-hmm. smells bad whereas like uncut gems one of the things I will say in its in its defense is that like it's like you can smell the movie through the screen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it really it was the most New York film I've ever seen where I was just like that it, this film to me is what it feels like to walk through New York. York? (laughs) It's like another La La Land about that city. Mm. Like it's a movie about that that city, that town, those people. Mm -hmm. And again, we didn't like that. But I like that it's not usually (laughs) when you get those like, the city is another character in the thing. Right. Those movies are very romantic. Like that's the thing that gets said about You've Got Mail all the time is that like New York is a a character in the movie. Mm -hmm. And they're always these like ridiculously over romanticized versions of the city if they're letting it be a character. But in this, it's, it's, it almost feels like it's, it's a, what is that line in, um, in uh, the last... Was it called The Last Black Man in San Francisco? I think that's it's close to what the title was. It's a movie that came out last year. It was really good. I wish I could remember the title. Um, but there's a conversation happening on a, on a streetcar where these two young women are criticizing the city. And the main character overhears and he says, you, I, forget, I wish I had the line right, but he says something along the lines of you have to love it to, to like, you have to love it to hate it or something like that. Like you can't, talk about my city like that unless you love my city Mm. (laughs) and so this movie which is very much like a made by true blue new yorker kind of um feeling i don't know if they are new yorkers but they have to be right um it feels like a real new yorkers movie but it also is is quite critical of or at least i i think its attitude towards that world is quite critical 
Um, you don't see that very often. So that's interesting, I guess. Maybe I'm talking myself into it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so tired of hating the movies we talk about. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> no, you like You've Got Mail? I like You've Got Mail, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I put You've Got Mail in the schedule specifically like to break up like mm -hmm. i put in things yeah. that i know i have seen and liked um Smart. every couple of movies as an insurance policy no <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway does anyone else have anything else to say about this movie yeah there, i don't know if there's something to talk about like it's about rich and famous perhaps or the idea of getting rich and fame being around famous people being within the mob like this is the irishman type thought of just like um which i didn't like was just like this is about a criminal i have he has no redeeming quality maybe i, I wanted more about his daughter like his, his family like i wanted like there's there's just this trend in films and i just don't and people love them and I'm like just, what's what's another move what are other films where you would say they're they successfully portray whiplash okay no whiplash no 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 whiplash i was gonna say bad. chicago i was gonna say i sorry i didn't get to the end of your question i was gonna um, say what's another movie that successfully portrays a thoroughly unlikable character with little to no redeeming qualities and my go-to answer would be chicago or blue jasmine even though i didn't really care for that movie either not like in an adamant i hated it way just in a like meh kind of way but everyone loved blue jasmine well like but that's well, because people blindly like that oh no sorry they blindly like i was gonna say i thought, you, said, I thought you said blue valentine yeah, so i was gonna valentine. say oh, people, no. people blindly like brian gosling but they also blindly like Kate blanchett so the same <laughs> same thing yeah. applies um okay so you but mean you mean successfully though yeah there's like, so many movies about bad people like la la mm -hmm. land and like whiplash, um, like they're two assholes about two assholes. Yeah, he only writes mm -hmm. about assholes. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Ryan Gosling only plays assholes. <laughs> um, but uh, successfully, Chicago is a really good example. But I think Chicago um, only yeah. works because it's a musical. So I don't think that <laughs> would work whatsoever because there's the plot is little to none, really. I think and it's interesting that it's it's like women, women criminals trying to get out on their charms and like i i think that part of it's like i think it's more it's more interesting in terms of its ideas about celebrity and like sensationalizing yeah, yeah. uh violence as opposed to what actually happens to the characters because the characters are just kind of there and the story is bigger than they are but i, don't I mean think chicago, chicago is essentially that one that one number like razzle dazzle <laughs> is yeah. Chicago. It's like a real mission statement kind of thing. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I, I agree that's a, that, because that one has so much going on and so much to say, and it is a musical. And so like, well and they're so yeah. winning, like it's really hard not to like them. Um, mm -hmm. And I, and I think, I think it's rare that there's a movie with like, where someone has no redeeming qualities because certainly I'm able to root for someone who, is incredibly flawed as we witnessed when we had the like my best friend's wedding followed immediately oh, yeah. by <laughs> edge of 17 situation um which was just sort of like really hard women to love but i would not say those characters have no redeeming qualities they're just darth vader well but even that he like, has well, redeeming qualities though he redeems himself end. at the end People, very end, he redeems himself. People have positive feelings about him and he starts as a cute little kid and i don't know 
Um, then he kills a bunch of cute little kids. He's only, he's only a good person in the first movie. After that, he's kind of gets a little... Yeah. And he's also, at least in the original trilogy, he's not the lead character. Like, we want to talk yeah. about simplistic villains who have no mm-hmm. redeeming qualities. We could talk True. forever, right? Yeah. But the idea is, like, who is the central character who's just, ugh, you know? <laughs> um, and, and on purpose, too, because there's a mm-hmm. different, like, I the, the one I always talk about with, like, the main character just being a horrible person is Sex in the City. Um, because the okay. writers didn't know that they'd accidentally written a horrible person or Gilmore Girls, <laughs> same thing. Like they keep writing these sociopaths without noti- without noticing that they're sociopaths. Um, but this was clearly intentional. Like we're not supposed yeah. to like this guy. Yeah. And so I don't, and I, I wonder if they <laughs> cast Adam Sandler thinking that like he would soften him or if it was just for the stunt of right. seeing him play such a dark thing. I don't know. I just, uh, it was rough, man. But it wasn't rough enough. It was just kind of, it <laughs> happened. I don't know. A24, I was, I was about to say A24 has an incredible track record and usually they're better, but they also made Spring Breakers. So like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? No. Anyway, this was a movie that happened. Does anybody have anything else to say about it? <laughs> Before we call this the shortest episode. I think if, if anything, it's worth watching for a, a very good portrayal, portrayal of a horrible person. I would say it, maybe it. it would be a gem if they cut more. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to say that? <laughs> I came up with it literally just now, but I'm really proud of it. <laughs> I'm glad you're proud of it. You've got to just take pride in your accomplishments. <laughs> I do. You got to get that sense of self. Um, I don't know. I had something I was going to say, and then I forgot what it was, and I'm not that invested in remembering. <laughs> so it's not, worth it. it's not worth more than 35 minutes of talking. I, I don't. Sure. I don't. I yeah. just. It. I. I want to know what people see in this movie. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Lakeith Stanfield. I'm glad I saw it for him because I will follow him anywhere and see anything. Lakeith Stanfield. He played the, I don't even know the character's name because everybody was interchangeable. He was like Kevin Garnett's buddy who had silly hair. He brings people into the jewelry shop. Yes, he's really good. Yeah. He's in everything, and he yeah. plays um, either the lead role in tiny projects or a tiny role in big projects. Um, and he's awesome, and he's never been bad in anything. And um, he hasn't been working that long. I think the first time I saw him would have been like 2012 or 13. So I'm. I'm... Get Out was the movie I saw him in first. Oh, you know, who's him? Well, get he's, Out. He, uh, he's the guy who gets his like soul zapped. Or I don't know how the technology of Get Out works, but the he's the first the first one to um and then he's like acting weird at the cocktail party. He's like, the is he the one who guy. says Get Out? Is he the Get Out? Yeah, guy? I think so. I think he is the one that says. Oh, get okay. Out. I don't remember the who, who says Get Out, but he's the guy. He's like he he's he looks like a young black man, but he's acting like an old white man, and that's what tips off Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When he gets a flash. I think photo, yeah. it's not. Oh, what a good movie. Yeah. That's yeah. a good movie. That yeah. is a good movie. Yeah. It is a good um, movie. No, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is, he's also in Atlanta. He had a movie um, last year, I think it was. I'm losing track of when things were, but I'm sorry to bother you. He's amazing in that. Um, he was in a movie way, way, way back when, I want to say 2012 or 13, called Short Term 12. 
where the cast was like oh. him and Brie Larson and John Gallagher yeah. Jr. and Rami Malek and like this <laughs> whole and all these people before they were famous. Wow. Um, so you should watch that. That was like one of the great casts and it's a really good movie. He was like, he played a 17 year old. I don't know how old he actually was. Anyway, he's awesome. And I, uh, he's one of those actors that I'm like determined to have seen everything he's ever made. So if I had to sit through Uncut Gems, at least <laughs> at least he was there yeah. for, for me to help this be tolerable. So cool. <laughs> on that note, um, I forget what's next. Does anyone know what's next? I have it on my schedule here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see an uh, OC. Mm. What? It's just like a random, I don't know. Somebody had it on their list. Okay. It's a Netflix movie. I think it's sub to, I think it's a foreign film. Yeah. I don't know. I bet it's going to be great. I think the <laughs> thing I've liked the most in all of this was Ali's wedding. Yeah. So that has been a oh, Ali's like, wedding was so good. I think yeah. there's there's something. That's about, a gem. Oh my god. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> I think the undiscovered gems are the are turning out to be the best things. So we will see. But I will see you guys on Monday. Okay. Bye. Okay. Meow.